Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in Sunday school. The old song says everybody ought to go to Sunday school. I have always loved Sunday school all my life. Had great teachers growing up. Amen. We have been looking over the last, well, we just now started last week, but we're going to look through our 10 values that we have here at the church. And again, real quickly, something you value is something you spend your time, talent, treasure on, you focus on. I use the illustrations, you know, you can say, I love the word of God, absolutely, and we believe that. But if you never read it, I'm not sure how much you value it. And value family and love them, or uh, you know, you say you love them, but if you never spend time with them, and you you get, understand that. So for the next again several weeks, we'll go through this list. There's no particular order. It's not a hierarchy. It's just this is the we're just going through the list. And so today, last week we looked at two. We looked at we are an apostolic, spirit-filled church. Thank God for that. What the book of Acts believes is what we believe, what it teaches. And so we are an apostolic, spirit-filled church. We want his spirit to lead and guide us. And then we also looked, we are a church of worship and the word. We love to worship Jesus and we love the preached word of God. We love the word of God that changes our hearts. It convicts, it exhorts, it rebukes, whatever it needs to do, we want it to do it to us because it's forever settled and we thank God for his word. Today... I want to look at another value, and we're just going to look at one today, and that is the value, what we value here is we value prayer. Prayer makes a difference. Um, Prayer is powerful. The key verse that we have along with this is Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verses telling us, don't worry. Don't, don't worry about anything, but in everything, pray about it. I'm thankful for this verse, and I'm thankful that we, can, we don't have to fret. We don't have to be upset. We can pray about everything. Uh, this is also why we will say that on that tagline, we're a pray-first church. And so, again, what does that mean? You ready for it? Here's what that means. Pray first. Do you see how deep I get quick on Sunday mornings? It's just powerful stuff here. It means pray first. When you don't know what to do, pray. When you don't know what to say, pray. When you have a job interview, pray. When you're sick, pray. When, you're, when you get out of bed, pray. When you sit down to eat, Pray when you, uh, before we start service, pray. There, there's no mystical, really deep sort of hidden meaning to this. Just before you do anything, pray. That is a, a you're in communion with God. Uh, wh- wh- what do you mean? Before I start my car, pray? Sure. Before I get on social media, pray? That'd be a good one, yeah? Before I watch this movie, pray? Most definitely. Yeah, those are good things to pray. Why are we doing this? Because it, we're, we're turning this attention, our attention to God that we're in this mindset that we are in constant 
communion with him. I, I know some may think that's somewhat ridiculous and I'm being facetious, but I'm really not. We can talk to God at any time and he will talk to us. This is a communion that we have. First Thessalonians 5.17, what's it say? Pray without ceasing. Let me go through about four other renditions of this, okay? And, and, and Bible translations. Always keep on praying, one says. Never stop praying. Pray constantly. Pray all the time. It's really what this means. Just pray. And it means, and it changes so much in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. It's just the idea that you are in this close relationship with God, that you are just talking to him, and but you're also listening for his voice. You are in communion with him. You don't have to be at church, and you don't have to wait for a special time to pray. Just while you're driving down the road, what can you do? Jesus, I love you. Start talking to God. Why can you do that? Because he's as close to you as the mention of his name. He is ever-present help in the time of trouble. He's right there. As you're going into work, Jesus, I pray that you'd help me reflect you to my coworkers today. This situation that I'm facing, help me. You know, that old song, oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. How, how silly sometimes that we serve a God who has all power, is every, everywhere present, has all knowledge, has, he's willing to give his children the kingdom, he has all these things, yet we shirk from that privilege to be able to pray. And we draw back from that. The, the, the somewhat of a joke is, I guess, if you, you know, if you have a, if your computer's doing something, it's, it's glitching or the, 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 the windows aren't working right and they're not closing right or whatever the case may be, or your, your phone is not processing correctly or your iPad's doing something. If you talk to any IT person or you call in to Geek Squad or who you're going to talk to, you talk to some of the IT Guys around this church, we'll call them and we'll say something like, my computer's acting silly and I, I can't get this to work. What's the first question they're going to ask us? Did you restart your computer? They're going to ask that every single time because it kind of just resets everything and gets everything shut off and turns everything on properly. And so, did you reboot your computer? Maybe our first question on everything is have you prayed? Let me go through something here and hang on before you think I've just really flipped my lid. Your kid comes to me, Mom, I can't find my shoes. Maybe your question to them is, have you prayed and asked God to help you? We're going to have to start looking for a different car, okay. But have you prayed and asked God to help you find one? This bill doesn't seem right. I need to call them and get this straightened out. Did you pray and ask God to help you with that? Again, I'm, I'm trying to push something here because I, I don't want to seem ridiculous, and I hope I'm not being ridiculous. But what we're doing is we are setting a tone. You are setting a culture. You are teaching your children, we pray in this household. I remember, and, and you that have been around children or have children or, or you know, are acquainted with children, everybody knows what children are, so that's, that's a good start. We're common ground here. But um, I remember Skyler, when he was little, he would, you know, come to me and, 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 you know, he would lose something or something would happen. 
I was thinking as I was reflecting on this, we got this little uh, display in our family room. It has in these shadow boxes has me and Janelle and Skyler's little baby outfit and has all paraphernalia. And it says, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, on this one shelf is this perched up there is this is this dog that Papa bought, Skyler, and I named him Floyd. So Floyd's up there. He's an iconic little puppy in our house that's, thank God, he's stuffed. But anyway, he's up there. <clears throat> he wasn't real and stuffed. He was always a stuffed puppy, but he's perched up there on that display. And Skyler, his, little, his buddy, was, was Floyd. He took Floyd everywhere. He's got a, that thing's got a lot of love on it. So he's, he's carrying Floyd. And it come, a little guy would come to me, and, and he'd ask his dad, I can't find Floyd. Why would he ask me that? Because he trusted me that I could do something about it. And you know what I did to him? I'd say, shut up, kid. Go find it yourself. No. I would never do that to him. Now I would. He's a teenager. No, no. no. I would never do that to him. I'd get to Floyd, where's Floyd? He didn't run away, did he? We make a story out of it. Floyd, we start calling for Floyd. Where's Floyd? And I'd go in his room and I'd, you know, where is he? Is he in here? I think he's still sleeping. And we'd dig through his sheets. Oh, he got wrapped up in the blood. Here's Floyd. And I'd get him out and, you know, hit him in the head with him and act like I was biting him, pinching him and stuff, just on and on. Why would I do that? Because I'm the greatest father who ever lived. No, because I'm a dad. I love my kid. You do the same. Here's what I want you to understand. How much more does your heavenly father? We think that he only cares about these catastrophic. Does he care that you lost your keys? He does. You're not bothering him. Say, Lord, I cannot find these keys. I need some help. I mean, again, I, you, you have to understand the household I came from. Mom is like, kids pray. We need a parking place in the name of Jesus. I mean, she's going travailing prayer to find a parking place at Walmart. It was the story of our life. She, 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 I, we'd hear the phone ring or something. All of a sudden, she'd stop. We'd all be playing or fighting, whatever we used to do. And so she'd scream through the house, stop! Mr. Martinez had called, and they took Sonny to the hospital. Let's pray. And all of us, we'd stop and pray. Why? It was just... That's what we did. We prayed. And so it became a culture of what we do is, what, is we pray and, and, and building that relationship with God. And again, please don't misunderstand or read into this that, yeah, do it as I have done it. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just trying to convince some of us because you think that God is out there and he sometimes will come to church with us and something. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a kind, heavenly father who cares about everything that you care about. If I care that Floyd was missing in the sheets of my toddler, then he cares that I have a flat tire on the side of the road. Okay, let's do this. I'm mowing the hill because I get antsy and I just need something to do. So I'm mowing the hill out there. And every time I do it, I get the, I get the mower stuck every single time. I'm just used to that. So I had got it stuck and, and I got off and jerked it around and Finally got it out, and then I was coming over someplace else and got it stuck again, and I was jerking on it and jerking on it. I couldn't get it out. I was like, Lord, I, I need help. 
I said, help me, give me strength or something to get this thing out. And there's a van, random van, parked in this parking lot over here. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy. Come walking across the parking lot. I said, I get this thing stuck every time. Yeah, I've been there. And he goes, shunk. He jerked the thing out. I said, I just need a young guy that has muscles because obviously, and I, coincidence. Okay. But I sure enough thank God for that. Here's what I understand. You, you know, again, you, you, we could go through this and we could go through testimony after testimony. I, I, and again, I, I see her all tan from being in Florida in the sun, but my sister's back here. But she, she has, we, I've mentioned before, she has her Jehovah Jireh journal. So many things were happening in her life when she was going through some circumstances, raising her kids as a single mom, that she started journaling stuff. She has pages. Ladies and gentlemen, it is pages and pages and pages of stuff that God has done. And you'd have it too if we just journal it. It's amazing how many things God does for us. But one in particular, her, her baby girl had a, had a little camera that she needed some AA batteries for, I think it was. And, and um, she's like, Mom, can I get some AA batteries? Well, that was a luxury, and they didn't have room for luxury. <laughs> so they were, she's like, Stormy, I'm sorry. I, no, I'm not going to get you AA batteries. We don't need that right now. We just, let's, let's focus on something else. There's a, uh, there was a, a lady they knew, a coworker of my sister's, and she, she went to the store and she bought a bunch of groceries for them. She knew they were in a situation. She bought a bunch of groceries for them. She took them to her house. And, I mean, just stuff they liked. It was so wonderful. They were so thankful. They were pulling it all out of there. <laughs> and in the bottom of the bag was AA batteries. Why in the world did that lady, she was buying groceries, pick up AA batteries? Because I think God kind of nudged her and said, Stormy needs some AA batteries. I hope I can convince somebody in here, you serve a kind heavenly father. He is concerned about everything that concerns you. And so that's why this scripture means so much don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Pray first. Do that. Let, let's, let's go to the Word of God and let's, let's bounce through some scriptures here. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence. This is the suggestion. This is the, if we get, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Mark 11.24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore tread lightly, tiptoe, try to make sure God's not mad at us. Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace.
to help in time of need. Do you remember that? And I'll pause there for a moment. Do you remember that iconic picture? I think it was uh, President JFK. Um, he was at his desk in the Oval Office, the most, some would say the most powerful office in the world. And his desk underneath had like a door or something. And his son was playing. He should have kicked him. That was the Oval Office. Powerful office. That was his boy. He didn't care his boy was in there, that he was signing papers to do whatever. He didn't care any of that. It was his boy. How much more? Your heavenly father. Come boldly to the throne room. Again, I'm not saying conceited. Me and Jesus, he's my homeboy. No. Jesus is not your boyfriend either. He is the mighty God in Christ. And so when we go to him, yes, is there a reverence? Absolutely. Is there respect? Absolutely. But can I go to him and say, I'm in need? Absolutely. I can come boldly into his throne room and ask him. Two more, John 16, 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. And I know we get all nervous because we get, and again, you're going to have to, Read the whole Bible and take things in context because we're not one of those name it and claim it, grab it, stab it, nab it type of churches. But I do believe sometimes we underutilize prayer. I do believe that sometimes we don't claim what we should or we don't speak things and we don't ask God for his help. There are so many things in the word of God that are referenced to prayer. He said we need to pray. He said we could pray. Uh, let me take a turn here and go a different direction, and, and then I'll try to tie this back together to prayer here. Your perception of God, who he is, what he is like, is vitally, vitally important because it's going to be, it, 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 it uh, translates into how my relationship with God is. This, again, we're not going to go to parenting class, but it's vitally important. Your, your, your view of God many times is formed in your childhood. Hopefully, as you've matured, you've drawn your own conclusions and had a relationship for yourself with God and know him for who he is. He is. But let me address some things here for, for just a bit. The first authority figure in your life many times would be your parents, your caregiver. So as a child, you see that parent or that role is how often you reflect to God. And so then I ask questions like, were your parents moody? Many times you're going to think God is moody because that's how you, the, as a child, you look at this hierarchy like this. Or were your parents mean or did your parents desert you? You're probably going to struggle with desertion or probably going to struggle with that having relationships here naturally. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, many times take this to the relationship with God. They're not sure he's going to be there when they need him. They're not sure he's going to have their back because authority figures and people in their life deserted them and so they have as part of of this how they view God or we could go to the positive were, were your parents loving were they kind were they compassionate did they provide did they help and again that's how at the beginning you understand God now please understand all this can be changed and should be changed because God is no not like anyone here on earth he is above all and so he's better than anything we can even in our finite minds comprehend 
but it, the thing is, the struggle is there today because people truly don't know God. They don't understand who he truly is. And so their view of God is just sometimes of, <clears throat> of a God who is anticipating you to slip up, waiting for you to just, and then he's going to flatten all four of your tires. Just waiting on you. Folks, if somehow... You can turn this, and I always look at stuff on this level to, to relate it to this level because this is where we live, and sometimes it helps us to understand. If your child, if you're, a, again, not everybody's parents, but if you can try to translate this some, if your child slips up, I pray to God the first thing you don't do is rebuke and kick them to the curb and you're useless and all. I hope you don't do that. I hope, yes, do we correct? Yes, do we discipline? Yes, do we do all things? It's out of love. We'll get to that in a moment. But the point is, I hope there's a relationship there. And again, I can't help but go, how much more is God? How much better is God than a human? So he's not a God that's just sitting up there with white hair and, 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 and has a lightning bolt in his hand just ready for you to make a mistake. And then he's going to zap you a good one. It's like, that's ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. I can't tell you how many people I have talked to, and that is exactly their view of God. He's out to get them. And they're trying to line up perfectly. And so that they don't slip up or make a mistake. Some may view God as very controlling. Others believe that God can only love and care for them when they're perfect. They do everything just right. They jump through the right hoops. And when, then God will love them and God will care about them. I've mentioned before in this church, and I, I don't know why I remember. I was struggling with stuff, and, and I remember I was 30 years old. When this all happened and everything just kind of put came, it was a conversation here, you know how this works, and scripture here and a sermon here and praying about it here, and all of a sudden, boom, something came, and um, things started clicking in my mind. And also, uh, the biggest thing was, it was 30 when, when Skylar was born, and I looked at that baby boy, and for the first time in my entire life, I somewhat grasped unconditional love. When I looked at that baby, that baby cost me money. We had a nice, we were poor as dirt. We had a nice couch. Brought him home. He soiled the couch. I was aggravated at him. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. We're trying to get to church. I was worshiping back then. We we're trying to get to church. And I was holding him or something, getting him out the door. He had the audacity. To puke all over me. He kept me up at night. He wore us out. I cannot tell you the sleepless nights and the horrible, horrible, yeah. And I'd have taken on the United States Army to protect him. I would have put my body in front of anybody to protect him. He could do zero for me. He couldn't mow the yard. He couldn't clean the house. He couldn't clean up after. He did zero except cause me problems and money. 
and I loved him, severely loved him. And all of a sudden, I realized there's not one hoop God asked me to jump through. I don't have to do one thing for him, and he loves me. This is where we don't like this because some of us who are performance-driven, look at me, I got a suit on. I'm in a pulpit on the platform of the sanctuary, United Pentecostal Church, and Jesus loves me. Oh, clutch your pearls, here we go. And there's a guy beating up his wife right now. And Jesus loves him the same. We don't like that because we want him to love us more because we're better. That's not what unconditional love is. Think of the term unconditional, no conditions. God is what? Love. His essence. That's what he does. He loves. Now, before you all have a run me out of town, does he approve of things? No, he doesn't approve of everything. Things displease him. Absolutely things displease him. Are there sin? Absolutely. Does he ever stop loving you? Never. Ever, ever, ever does he stop loving us. And so there are some people, again, these, these skewed views of God, and even as people get older, they may know they're saved, but they still don't feel somehow that they measure up to God or that they, they don't feel loved by him. They feel a, this estranged type of relationship with God. Maybe it's distant or maybe it's kind of awkward to where you, you come in church. And have you, have you ever met those people? And it's usually I've been to other churches like at a hate to say it, but other denominations like a funeral or something, and I'm telling you, in church, and, and, and again, we probably should take some notes on reverence in the house of God at some times, because I think we get a little uh, flaky on that, but they reverence everything, which is great, but I'm telling you, when it comes to prayer time, I mean, it is like, it's like they don't breathe, it's one person prays, and they're real, real careful with that. Again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying we don't need to be reverent. I'm not saying anything like that, and there's times and places for the move of God and a deep move of God where there's silence in the building. I get all of those things. We stand in awe of him. Those are all powerful and perfectly in order things. However, their whole demeanor was they're terrified of God, and only, one, only certain people can pray. Only certain people know how to pray, and Many people pray and they make choices based on straining and striving and, and again, hoping God will hear you and hoping you can jump high enough for God to bless you and hoping you can do this, that, and the other and you've, you've been good enough this week for him to hear you. Yes, you, you may realize you're saved, but you still bear the signs of someone not quite convinced that you're God's delight and you're the object of his lavish love and he cares and loves you. But let's look at the word again. Psalm 18, 6. In my distress, not when I was perfect, in my distress, when, when everything was going wrong, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard me. 
out of his temple and my cry came before him even unto his ears. Think of that picture. You are in distress and the almighty God who spoke the universe into existence, he hears your voice. You can cry unto him and he hears that. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He has given you that. He has given you his power. Why? Because of his love for you. You are his child and you can approach him. Ephesians 3, 19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that he that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. James 5:16 confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We have got to grow in this and be comfortable with the idea that God truly loves us, that he is willing to hear us, that he is willing to help us, and that he loves us unconditionally. And his, his, his grace and his mercy and his love and his, you know, I've heard it said before and I love these, I Obviously, I speak in word pictures sometimes. I love these. It's like, if God has a refrigerator, your picture's on it. Your dumb little drawing is framed on his wall. Would you do that? Yeah. So you don't think God would? Oh, treading lightly here. But if we have that skewed thing of going, well, I'd never do that. I, I would always love my child. I would, I, yes, they come in and draw some crazy picture. And the, this is a pig. It's, yeah, whatever. It scribbles on a piece of paper. And what do we do? That's the dumbest thing. We light on fire right in front of them and say, you'll never amount to anything. No. We get down. What's the piggy say? And we hug on them. We kiss them. Oh, this is Beautiful. We can take pictures of it and show it to all our friends on Facebook. My kid is probably going to be an artist someday. <laughs> you just live in your delusion. Okay, but the point is, what do we do with that? We hang it up. We would do that. But God, oh. Do you know what we're saying? I know you were not saying it, but we're saying it. We're saying we're better than God. We're more loving than God. Is that making sense? If I'm willing to hang up the stinking little picture that looks like nothing, but supposed to be a pig. But God <laughs> is waiting on you not to clap on the chorus coming up in worship set. And he's going to get you. If, if that's your view, then you're, what you're doing is saying, I'm much better than God because I would never do anything like that. Oh, Neither would he, ladies and gentlemen. Let, let me read. Let me read Ephesians 3.19. I read it again, but let me read it in the NLT. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. You'll, you'll never comprehend completely his love. But Paul was telling the Ephesus church, I hope you get to, may you experience this. He said, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. If you can somehow grasp how much he loves you, 
Brother Blaine, we're talking on prayer. What has this got to do with prayer? Everything. Everything, because prayer is having a relationship with him and having a communication with him and speaking to him. If I'm scared of him, I can't quite have the good relationship with him. If I'm terrified of him, if I don't feel I'm worthy, if I don't feel like I measure up, if I don't feel I can speak to him, if I feel like, well, I need to call him. And again, please don't read into this. There's nothing wrong with getting people to pray and help you pray and all kinds of stuff like that. But if I feel I can't pray because I'm not good enough or do it right or something like that. I'm not having the proper relationship with him. If we want to be powerful in prayer, one of the first things we're going to have to accept and embrace is how fiercely God loves us. And he wants to be in communion with us. And he wants us to talk to him. And he wants to talk to you. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and just know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the heat and I'll be exalted in the earth. Stop the striving and the confusion and just know he is God. That settles a whole lot in our spirit when I know that he is God and he is for me. The more we pursue Jesus, we'll find the more he pursues us. He has so many things for us. Luke 12, 32 says, fear not, little flock. Why? There's a lot of things to be scared of. There's a lot of things to be fearful of. There's a lot of things to be nervous about in this world. Fear not, little father. It's your father's good pleasure to buy you a happy meal. No. To make sure you have a little change in your pocket. No. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you know all that's in the kingdom? It's your father's good pleasure to give you that to give that access to him. If we live our lives and approach praying with the idea of we're trying hard to jump high enough to reach the sky and we're, we're gonna wear ourselves out very quickly and ultimately we're going to stop praying because of that. Jesus came and Jesus rescued us. He has redeemed us. Jesus has all power in heaven and earth and we, have access to him. We can enjoy his presence. We can draw on his resources. We can trust in his love. We can count on his promises. Romans tells us in 5, 1 and 2, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. What a beautiful word in our time and days we live in with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have Access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I thank God this morning. I have direct access to him. I don't need to ask anybody else. I don't need to pray to somebody else. I have direct access to his throne room and I can come in there and say, Dad, I need some help. Understand again as a good parent, you did not just buy anything your child wanted. You did not let them eat whatever they wanted. You didn't let them do or play or go wherever they wanted. Why? Because it was out of love for them. I hope and trust that was your motive. So what you're saying is because you loved your son Skyler, he was disciplined sometimes. Absolutely. Because... I love him, not in spite, not because of my love. You trained him to hear your voice and obey and listen to you. 
Yes. It was not because I needed control over him or because I was bigger and he was scared of me. It was because there would be other voices of authority in his life that he desperately needed to hear and listen to and know how to obey. And there were also other voices in his life that, such as the voice of God that he needed to hear so that salvation, he could be saved someday. Because I wanted him to hear my voice and to listen because I could see and I knew things he didn't know. So when I said stop, I needed him to stop because I could see the car coming and he was too little and preoccupied to see it. Man, that's mean. I'm glad you're not my dad telling me what to do all the time. Nobody's going to say that. That's a ridiculous statement. (laughs) But how many times? Ridiculous. God won't let me do this. No, we gotta do this. We can't do this. We gotta this. He can see what you can't see. And he knows what you don't know. Our problem is we haven't learned to trust him that he has our best interest, which means we truly have not committed, convinced ourselves that he is unconditionally, he unconditionally loves us. He is a holy God, which means every motive is pure. There's no ulterior motives. There's no strings attached. He loves us purely, and it's for our good. A little illustration here one one time real quick, and I think I've used it here before. I'm talking about Skyler in here, plus it's all right. He tells me every time you say my name, you owe me five bucks. He's going to be... He's going out for steak today, I'll tell you that. So, um, so I remember when he was little, I took him to the doctor, and, and you know, he was his yearly checkup before school, and by the time, from zero to five, they get 776,312 shots. Um, so, little pin cushions, and you don't want that as a father, you know. He's like, he'd ask me, he'd go, let's go see Dr. Steele, okay. Dr. Steele, he's going to be, oh, he's going to be so proud of you. And he said, Daddy, I have to get a shot. Yes, I knew he had to get a shot. He probably got 12 of them, but yes, I knew he had to get a shot. But I didn't want to, you know, I was just like, well, we'll see what, throw Dr. Steele under the bus. We'll see what Dr. Steele says. So we take him, and Dr. Steele, jump on a foot and do this. And, oh, Scotty, you're growing up. And Daddy, yeah, that's wonderful. And he'd look to me, Mr. Protector. Gonna take on the United States Army if somebody tried to touch my boy. And he would say, It's time for him to have a couple shots here. Sign this paper. I'm a loving dad. I really, really love that boy. And I would take of my own free will and I would sign my initials next to two little things. That means he got those two shots. And he'd be there. And the doctor said, okay, thank you. Uh, good job, Scott. We'll see you next time. And the nurse would be in a minute give those shots, and all of a sudden it clicked to that little boy's mind. He'd turn around and look at me, and he goes, Daddy, I have to get some shots. I said, yeah, buddy, it's going to help you grow. You know, we lie to our kids, but it's going to help you grow. And it's going to make Santa Claus come. I don't know. Whatever we say. 
going to help you grow and be strong. Okay. And he looked at me, those piercing blue eyes. He goes, Daddy, didn't I grow good enough? So I kicked open the door. Anybody out here? We stormed out of the hospital. No, we didn't. I pulled that baby on my lap, and I held him tight while a stranger came in that room and gave him something he did not want that was painful. And it broke my heart to see it happen. Man, that's the most horrible story I've ever heard in my life. Why in the world would you do that? Because today, if he'd have all kinds of issues and diseases, you'd all be furious at me because you wouldn't pay a few dollars to get a shot for him or whatever it was. Why did I do that? Because I could see his future. And as his kind father, even though it was painful, I knew what was best for him. You understand that. How many times have you gotten a shot and you're mad at God? Didn't I do good enough? Wasn't this right? Didn't I, didn't I read the Bible enough? Didn't I? And he knows what's best for you. See, our problem is sometimes we don't trust him again because we don't truly know how much he fiercely loves us. So the pain and the things that we go through, again, we, I don't have time. As a matter of fact, I've got two minutes. I don't have time to go through all this stuff. But you understand that life happens, and you understand humans make their own, we have free will and choices and stuff like that. But the thing about it is, when you're talking about God, our kind heavenly Father, he fiercely loves us. If that's the case, then I absolutely have the privilege to go to him in prayer and speak to him. Here again, one last time to a little... Smack you down a little bit, but here's another reason I think that sometimes we don't talk to God. We already know what he's going to tell us. You can't take the good and the bad. You have, it's like, well, let's take some of the scriptures and let's not take the other parts of the scripture. No, you take all or nothing. So with him, we're trying to figure out in today's society of how to have church and have his presence gift-wrapped and bows without his presence, him being here to convict us. We're trying to figure out how to have the God that just comes and he's the vending machine God but doesn't get in our business. And it cannot work that way. He is not, that's not how he works. You didn't give your kids ice cream all the time. Sometimes you made them eat broccoli. And so our God, who is a kind, heavenly Father, he sits high up on his throne, yes, but he is close to every one of us. He knows the way we take. He knows what is best for us. Even when I can't see my way clearly, I don't trust in the process. I trust in God who knows where I am in the process. 
When you know him and you get closer to him, things start happening in you. There may be some conviction. There may be some discipline. There may be some rebuke. But it's not because he's a mean God and he sits on his throne and he's a control freak of sorts and tries to manipulate his little pawns down here. No, it is out of his love for you and how much he loves you and wants to be all closer to you. When you get into his holy presence and his light of his glory shines, all of a sudden I see some dirty things in my heart. I see some things that aren't quite like him in my heart that make me convicted that I need to be more like him. And that is only for his glory. But I wish I could convince everybody, and I've tried my best, and I hope I have changed some of you. That he loves you and he is working all things for your good. Let me simply say and finish like this. At this church, we value prayer. We are a pray first church. Before anything else, we want to pray. We want to commune with God. We want to draw close to him, hear his voice. And the last statement I'll say is what a privilege. What a privilege.